Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Anwar calling from DC. I own a home that I'm currently renting out, and I have some extra cash in my budget every month. And provides unbiased answers. What type of risk are you taking with your other assets? What type of risk are you comfortable with? You can go put it in the market, and you're going to have volatility. Invest Talk, over 36 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, November 15th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And as we scroll through continuing reports of increasing inflation, and I think uh, everyone is a bit concerned. Uh, but for you, the investor, there's no need to panic. It's about adjusting your portfolio and your mindset for the current market environment. And you have a portfolio, uh, you're building it, you're trying to protect it, and I'm going to do my best to help you do that. And that's what we do here on this radio show and podcast. And of course, I want you, I want to answer your specific direct questions as well. So you should call me if you have any. And on today's program and podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, as always, which is independent thinking and shared success. That's my assurance that no matter what I speak about, it's coming from a place without bias. It's using the facts as I see them in front of me and 20 plus years of investment experience. So I can be talking about stock, a strategy, a mutual fund, an ETF, an asset class, whatever it is, I'm here to give you give you it straight. Pros and the cons uh, without hype. A lot of hype in the market today. And I want to weed through that noise, help you weed through that noise. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. In fact, you can interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or if you're listening after hours, that's fine too. You can leave a message on our Best Talk Voice Bank. Either way, the number cha- never changes. 888-99-CHART. Now let's get to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve. Uh, good evening. This is Tarun from California, Northern California, actually. So I just had a quick question about the ticker symbol PYPL, uh, PayPal. Uh, that's been going down for a dip for quite some time. I was thinking of building a position in it. So just wanted to see what your um, take is on that on that symbol. Right, thanks. I'll listen to the answer on your podcast. Thank you. All right. This is uh, PayPal Holdings. And I think this is a perfect example of the type of company that had huge tailwinds during the pandemic as uh, more and more people were using mobile payments and buying buying things online, uh, using PayPal's systems, uh, et cetera, and their business really boomed. In the first quarter of 2020, revenues were only up 12%. Earnings were flat year over year. Uh, but Starting the next quarter, second quarter, the really the, the height of the pandemic, 
you had revenue up 22%, earnings up 51. Next quarter, uh, earnings were up 41, then 30, then 85%. But the last two quarters, you've started to see those base effects start to hit, where revenue was only up 7% in the second quarter, third quarter, only up four. Sorry, earnings were only up 7%. Uh, in the second quarter, only up 4%, revenue only up 13%. And the stock price, pre-pandemic was right around $120 a share, and it went to a 52-week high of 310 But it's off 31.5% from that, that, uh, that high number. And I think it's headed back, probably closer to the 120 level. Remember, you have to – you can't extrapolate a pandemic-laden environment for the growth of the future. There was strong growth pulled forward. So the growth numbers for a lot of these companies, stay-at-home companies, were uh, exaggerated. And then when you get into base effects by meaning comparing year over year from that time period, it gets a lot harder to have accelerated growth. And that's really what you're seeing right now. And so I would – now, I will say PayPal is at support right here around 205, 210. In that area, there's pretty nice support on the weekly chart. But I just look at the underlying fundamentals. It's still trading at a high multiple, and growth is slowing dramatically. So until it gets to, I would say, my number where I'd get interested in this name is about $140, $140 a share. Then I'd say, all right, this is uh, cheap enough. But it's in a downtrend. Growth is slowing. And it's going into tough base effects. So I would pass on it, but keep it on your watch list. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Is the Fed losing credibility over its inflation narrative? The content, uh, the contention of one hope high-profile investor is that the false characterization of inflation as transitory is risky. And the Fed is making a major policy mistake. So we're going to look at that story. Also, Five reasons why maybe the stock market might be weaker in 2022. Now, weaker just means relative to this year. This has been a strong year. SP over 20%. And frankly, that's atypical. Long term, the SP typically grows about 10% a year. So clearly, you can't go at 20% every year uh, for a long period of time. Otherwise, you start to create a new trend, and typically that never happens. It's always mean reverting. But mean reverting can simply mean going back to 10%, maybe a 5% year next year, maybe flat or negative. Uh, but we're going to look at the potential catalyst for a more subdued 2022. Also, what are companies doing when it comes to passing along the price increases? to consumers. And we're going to look at some of that data as well. And then lastly, if we have time, does sustainable investing really help the environment? We're going to look at that as well. But let's transition over to what the market did today. It was really a flat day in the market. The S&P was only was down 0.05 points, basically flat. The NYSE that was down one tenth of 1%, also basically a, a flat day. You had the NASDAQ, the COMPQ, that was down seven points, what, uh, half a, a basis point, yeah, five basis points, really nothing uh, uh, there. So kind of a, a boring day uh, in the markets overall. 
you had a little bit of weakness in gold. Uh, you had a little bit of strength in oil. In uh, natural gas also had a, a nice day as well. So uh, that was the market today. Well, really, how are we going to look going into the uh, the, the Thanksgiving holiday, because typically once you get into that holiday season, uh, volume in the markets tend to fall, uh, and that typically means markets tend to float higher. Now, we are off to a good start. My Invest Talk phone lines are open, and you've got finance and investment questions, and I have unbiased answers for you. So join the conversation at 888-99-CHART. news steve and justin will host the next free wealth webinar investing in an inflationary world this thursday 1 p.m pacific with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities get the answer to that question and others and prepare for the coming changes Register now for free at investtalk.com. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is Anwar calling from D.C. I'm calling today to ask you sort of a philosophical question in two parts. The first part is I own a home that I'm currently renting out, and I have some extra cash in my budget every month. And I'm wondering, is it smarter to invest that cash back into the home to pay off my mortgage sooner? I've I've done the math. If I invest that cash, I'll pay off my mortgage about uh, 10 years sooner. I'll save myself something like $80,000. And to me, that's a guaranteed $80,000 back into my bank account. And conversely, I could take that same cash and throw it into my government savings plan, my TSP. And that's been doing fairly well for me, um, 16%, but it has the inherent associated risk of being an investment versus a guaranteed percentage that the bank has secured offering me the loan. I'd really like to know your perspective on that. I appreciate everything you guys have do. Long-time listener in the past three years, and I uh, look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Well, you broke down that perfectly, and that's the way you need to think about it is, and that's for everyone out there looking at paying down their mortgage, is when you pay down your mortgage faster than necessary, you are basically guaranteeing yourself that particular rate that your uh, your mortgage has, uh, that mortgage carries. Now, I don't know if this is an investment property, which if it is, it probably has a little bit higher interest rate. So that's something to, to think about. Uh, but when it comes to your TSP, the first thing you have to, you have to ask is, are you getting some sort of match? I don't know uh, if you can get that within a TSP, but um, if you're getting a company match of some some sort, you definitely want to make sure you're maxing that out because that 50% or 100%, even if it's 25% match, whatever that is, that guaranteed is going to exceed whatever you're guaranteed at your at your uh, on that mortgage. Then it comes down to your risk tolerance level. What is what type of risk are you taking with your other assets? Uh, what type of risk are you comfortable with? What type of volatility are you com- comfortable with? Because you can go put it in the market and you're going to have volatility. Uh, but over the long run, you should get much better than, you know, three, 4% rate that you're getting on, or you're paying on your mortgage. Now the TSP, 
definitely makes it a little bit less attractive because TSPs are so limited. I mean, it's 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 kind of sad and and gross how how limited TSPs are, and therefore it makes it even less attractive to to uh, contribute to that TSP. So it's hard for me to give you a straight answer. It's really about how aggressive you want to be. And how come, how, how, what, is that a goal to really pay off that, that mortgage? Maybe you want to live off of, uh, that, that interest on the, uh, sorry, the rent income from that property, uh, in the near future. And maybe that becomes more of a priority to pay that down. Uh, but if you think of the numbers, just straight numbers and nothing to do with, uh, your, your risk tolerance levels, you're going to earn more longer term in the markets. So like the earnings yield of uh, the market, you know, in the, the low to mid twenties, four or five percent there, uh, tax deferred on the on the TSP as well. So that's how you have to think about it. Raw numbers, no emotions, more money into the markets. Let's go to Jason from Col- in Colombia, looking at NHI. Hi, good afternoon, Justin. How are you? Doing well. You looking at NHI? Good, you. you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. It's uh, hovering around its 52-week low. Uh, pays a pretty solid dividend, and just want to take your thoughts on it. Looking to get into the um, REIT sector and thinking about you know retirement, senior housing. Think it might be worth a long-term play, but just want to get your thoughts on it. Thank you. Okay. Well, the issue with senior housing, and it sounds like you know there's there's long-term tailwinds with baby boomers retiring, and that's certainly true. But there's a bit of overcapacity within the industry. They've kind of been overbuilt, uh, and that's really. I think the main issue here uh, with the sector as a whole, and then you get higher operating costs with these with uh, under COVID, as workers you have to pay workers more. You're going to have to raise rents. Uh, you're going to have more safety protocols. It's just higher costs to to operate, and you see that in the numbers here. Last quarter, revenues down twelve percent, earnings down fourteen percent, or in this case, because it's a REIT, funds from operation. Those were down 14% year over year. And last quarter, they were down 21% year over year. And earnings this year, or funds from operation, are supposed to be down 13% year over year in total. So it's a bounce back next year a bit. But the overall trend in, the, in, in this space uh, is negative, uh, struggling. And now it is relatively cheap. And the, fu- the, the, the chart is getting better. But to me, I would need this to break above the 200-day moving average. The 100-day moving average. The 100-day moving average. It broke below that in May and has not even touched it since. And right now, that's around $60 and change. Now, the price of the, the, the stock is $57.44 the close today. So until it gets above 60 and change, I would be patient on it uh, because I just don't see the near-term environment being uh, helpful for this name. This is Invest Talk. We'd love to hear your live question or your voice bank questions. So call anytime, 888 chart We'll get we'll take a break and then get back to your questions next. Look at the calendar. We are into November and on our way to Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. But now, you've got finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 
Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Is the Fed losing credibility over its inflation narrative? Well, one prominent executive or analyst uh, thinks so. This is Mohamed El Arian. He's the chief economic advisor at Allianz. He used to be a head guy at PIMCO. And he thinks the Federal Reserve is losing its credibility over its longstanding view that inflation is simply transitory. And he says, quote, I've argued that it is really important to reestablish a credible voice on inflation and that has massive institutional, political and social implications, end quote. Now, he said that people shouldn't forget that those on low income are going to be the ones most affected by rising consumer prices. And he says, quote, so it is a big issue and I hope that the Fed will catch up with the developments on the ground, end quote. So he's really saying, hey. Don't focus just on the financial markets. Focus on what's happening on the ground with real people. And unless they do that, they're going to continue to lose credibility. And the Fed has largely stuck to the message that this is transitory, that it's tied to the pandemic and supply chain issues, and this will all pass. But recent reports that we've seen from the CPI number came in at 0.9% on a month-over-month basis in the month of October. And that's that was significantly higher than had been expected. That's why you saw gold higher and uh, you know a, a lot of reaction in the markets because of this non-transitory inflation figure. And his big worry, Mohamed el is that consumers will advance purchases in order to avoid higher prices down the road. And this continues to put more pressure on inflation as you pull demand forward. And then you get wages shifting. And once wages start to shift, that starts to feed into the cost of goods and uh, and services as well, even more. And it becomes a vicious, vicious cycle. And so basically what he says is that the Fed should accelerate its pace of tapering once they when they meet again in December because they've already basically said what their pace is going to be for November and December. But they did not say what's happening in January, February, and beyond. You know, so far, it's a $15 billion a month taper. Well, they can accelerate that if they want to. And he also says that, secondly, they should start to hint, just like the Bank of England has done, that higher rates are coming sooner rather than later. And so uh, it's interesting to see his his read because obviously he's been in the market, uh, in the bond market especially. He's a, he's a bond market expert. And he's seen various inflation regimes, been around long enough for that. And so uh, it's always interesting to see his take uh, and that could feed into eventual Fed policy as well. So I wanted to cover that just a bit. But now when people take time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. New Doc on the Block says, I was looking at buying MYRG. MYRG. This is MYR Group. MYRG. Provides transmission, distribution services for electric utilities. Okay, so it's in the in the business of servicing the equipment for electric utilities. 
and says it looks like a solid company in the power line transmission construction. My main hesitation is that it may be too expensive after the recent run this year. And it has run dramatically from $16, $17 at the depths of the pandemic all the way to 113 spot 96 at the close today. So up almost an eight, 900 fold since then. And earnings are expected to reach an all-time high this year and then again next year, up 40% year-over-year this year. No dividend, about a $2 billion market cap now. And it does look like growth is slowing. Last quarter, earnings were up 32%, but that's down from 98% in the first quarter. And revenues were flat year-over-year. So that does make me think that, yes, maybe – all of a lot of that growth was behind it. The 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 chart looks fine, but there is waning. Uh, I would say momentum, so that would worry me. Uh, and then let me look at like historical uh, historical multiples because that's always important as well. It's not just what the current multiple is, but what does it typically trade at? Enterprise value to EBITDA is right now is at eleven and a half. And historically, that's as high as it's ever been. So this is typically a low multiple type of of, uh, of stock. And so I would agree. This is probably gotten ahead of itself. Uh, looks like a solid company, but it's just trading at much, much too high, two multiples uh, after this recent run. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. The Consumer Sentiment Index fell to a decade low in early November. And surging prices, labor shortages, and a gummed-up supply chain are making Americans uneasy. And Steve will walk through that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. And the issue here is that the prices just run away from the fundamentals. Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. 
Hey guys, this is Marfley Kessley calling from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm interested in companies that uh, play in the uh, death services space. More specifically, I'm looking at a company called SCI Service Corporation International. Some pretty good numbers. They seem to have the largest market cap. They seem to be basically the dominant player in this space. Some pretty good numbers. PE is, uh, I think, around 16. So I want you guys to take a look at the spaces as well. Those spaces folks often overlook. So I would love you guys to take a look. Thanks so much. Appreciate the show. Thank you. All right. Looking at SCI Service Corp International. And this is a company that we own for clients. I own personally. We've owned it for a while. They operate 1,470 funeral sites and 483 cemeteries. And this is a company that continues to perform very well. Uh, there was some pull forward of demand. I will say that with uh, with uh, COVID and, and obviously, unfortunately, a lot of deaths. And even if there weren't deaths, there were thinking about death and the preparation for uh, uh, your final resting place. And the a lot of times you pre-purchase your um, your your plot of land or or your uh, your services, et cetera, uh, and that certainly uh, has helped them as well. Now, this is a business that even pre-pandemic was very good, return on equity in the uh, mid to high teens on average over the last decade, and has been accelerating. 2019, it was 21%. 2018, it was 29%. 2017, it was 43%. percent talking about return on equity here. Uh, and trailing 12 months, it's 43%. So it's a very profitable company, positive free cash flow for every single year over the last decade. And yes, this is a, this is a very strong uh, mid, mid cap company, $11 billion market cap. Revenues are, are starting to slow. Revenues are only up 13% year over year, whereas two quarters, they're up 34% year over year. Uh, and earnings next year are supposed to be down 35%. But that's still uh, to $2.80, $2.80. And 2019, they made $1.90. So still roughly 50% higher than 2019 levels. And uh, they're, they're repurchasing shares. The chart looks good. So it uh, pays a nice 1.4% dividend yield, uh, and they've been increasing it. So, yeah, this is a name that we like and we own for clients. So I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, obviously. Now let's pivot to next year. We only have a month and a half left of 2021. Crazy to think about, right? Now, next year will also be the second year of a new U.S. presidential term. And stocks have tended to fall short of their long-term averages during that second year. And there are multiple reasons why performance for the, for the second year might be less impressive, uh, less urgency to um, spend on, on things, etc. cetera. Uh, but we're also in a kind of a different time. And so there are different factors that are going to change the way uh, next year's market will evolve. And the first one is COVID relief programs are going to fade for the most part. We're going through uh, another relief package or stimulus package, and it's large, but it's spread out over many years. But what will the urgency be be for next year if COVID continues to kind of wane and we get closer to, I don't know if we ever go herd immunity, but people realizing this is more of endemic now than, than, than a pandemic. Uh, and uh, you, you're seeing uh, 
shifts in, in uh, the way people are reacting uh, to COVID, et cetera. And although Congress has enacted trillions of dollars in spe- spending programs, they're expiring. And there's going to be a radical downshift in income growth for a lot of the country because less stimulus, less money coming from governments uh, into pockets. And consumers have really saved up during the pandemic and have shown signs of being eager to spend. But next year's GDP growth is almost guaranteed to be lower than this year, projected to only be around 3 to 4%. And that's today. Typically, as time goes on, those projections go, come down. This year, we're supposed to have GDP growth in total around 6%. So GDP growth decelerating next year. Number two, Fed policy, like we talked about before, is likely to be less easy. They're already tapering. They're already uh, hinting at increasing interest rates later in the year. And so that is also that also is potential to create liquidity conditions that are, are just less loose, a uh, little bit harder to borrow, higher borrowing costs, et cetera. Number three, corporate profit growth, growth, growth losing steam. This year, estimates for 2021 versus last year up 43%. For next year? Earnings are only supposed to be up around 7% year over year. Okay. And once again, that's today. Usually that comes down as time comes on, goes on. So a single digit increase in earnings growth next year would be a, a tough environment to have multiple expansion from already high multiples. Okay. So don't be shocked at, once again, a modest performance in the market. Number four. Valuations. Right now, the SP is trading at 22 times forward earnings. That's forward based on next year's earnings. That's 30% above the average of the past two decades. And then there's obviously the potential for uh, COVID to, to re if there's some sort of uh, another variant uh, variant that, that could change some, some things as well. Uh, but any flare up could also cause a risk to the market. And then lastly, just it's hard to repeat a year like this uh, in the mid to, to mid, mid to high 20% range uh, in a lot of the indices. And when analysts track how the market has fared on a rolling basis over the past decades, the data shows that strong stretches usually are followed by more lackluster periods. So based on how markets have been doing recently, the odds favor a gain of perhaps 6% next year. Now let's go to James in Georgia. And he's looking at H-O-P-E, Hope. Hey, how you doing, Justin? I'm doing well. Are you looking to buy Hope or do you own it? I'm actually just looking at it. Um, I'm looking at it through the uh, platform TD Ameritrade. I saw the buy-to-sell ratio was four to nothing and that it had a four to zero. And it had a pretty decent dividend. I was curious what your take is on this uh, stock. Okay, well, this is Hope Bank Corp. This is a regional bank for BBCN, a bank operating through 58 branches here in California, New Jersey, Illinois, New York, Washington, and D.C. Hmm. Revenues down 6% year over year, though earnings are up 80% year over year. Uh, The chart is strong, but my issue here is that it is definitely underperforming the KBE, the uh, regional bank index, and that's really the main issue. Is that why is this uh, why is this underperforming? Uh, and uh, although it had a good day today, I will say that. 
Uh, it is relatively cheap. Let me look at some of the longer term profit metrics because that's what I want. I want to know is is this something that's just getting a rising tide lifting all boats? Remember that most of a stock's performance has to do with the broad sector that it's in. If banking's doing well, most bank stocks are going to do well. Now, this is a company whose return equity has been high single digits, which is okay over the last decade, not fantastic. Its free cash flow is now at an all-time high, but the stock is not. So that's interesting. They've been buying back shares. I like that. Um, so I'm going to give this a, a modest thumbs up. Uh, we, we've looked at this sector. Uh, we've looked at this name in particular uh, amongst a lot of the other ones. And it didn't reach our, our final top five. Uh, there are a lot of regional banks out there. So if you do a little digging, I'm sure you can find a better regional bank. But I would say this is probably in the top half of the investment banks that we were looking at. Uh, just definitely not uh, the best in the industry or near near the top. Now, you're never going to pick the exact top, uh, best one, but uh, we didn't think this was uh, in, in that final five. So uh, I would probably keep looking, uh, but it is not a bad choice at all. Now, it is a busy Monday. Let's keep the momentum going and get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from New York on 888 chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Dylan from New York. I have a nonstop related question for you guys this time. I run a company. It's a partnership LLC. And my business partner and I are always sitting on a ton of money set aside for our taxes. We pay quarterly. We pay a UBT every year. But we still have a lot of money that we keep on the side. Every time we pay ourselves, we keep on the sidelines to pay all of our taxes. The question I have for you guys is if we have a period like from now till tax season, we've got like three or four months until we have to pay up some taxes. We have a large amount of money sitting in there. What do you think about putting it in something like a spy or like some type of relatively safe ETF? I know there's no such thing as safe, but do you have any recommendations for where to put that money besides just sitting in a savings account where it potentially work a little bit for us before we have to pay it up for tax season? Appreciate you guys. Hope to hear an answer soon. Thank you. All right. Great question. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, what I do with, with, with my cash and, and we, what we do is uh, we use Marcus by Goldman Sachs. It's a half a percent. Uh, it's pretty easy to use and it's very liquid, high yield savings account. That's what I would do. Uh, you're talking about three months, very short period of time. Uh, the SP could easily drop 10% in three months. Not out of the question. Happens regularly. So you definitely don't want to put that in the SPY. You want to be in something very safe and liquid. And I know you're going to say, well, inflation is X. You need liquidity. You have to pay your taxes. But you, like you said, you want to earn something on it. Um, so I would not be putting that in anything too risky. You want liquid. Now, what you could do is... Find a CD and maybe you'll get a CD rate on something three, four months that uh, could be higher than half a percent. And I would search for something like that. And then you can target, you know, when it matures and when you're going to need that money uh, and line those up. Uh, it's kind of lining up asset and, and liability uh, timeframes. And that might be a better way to go. Um, but if you want something liquid, very short term, uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs is, is probably uh, the simplest, easiest, and best yielding uh, that I've seen out there. Now, I think it's worth 
taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley and our company, KAPP Financial, located in Irvine, California. It's Orange County, a little bit south of LA. Now, let me remind you that here on Invest Talk and at our company, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings, or send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now let's squeeze in another caller question. We will do that right after this message. The inflation we are now experiencing in 2021 is disturbing and eerily reminiscent of what we went through in the 1970s. So, with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar investing in an inflationary world. This important online event is hosted by InvestTalk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. At this InvestTalk Wealth webinar, you'll learn about the historical precedents for inflationary periods, how various asset classes perform in rising price environments, and the best opportunities for investment when interest rates rise. The InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is free, but you've got to register. Go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Brandon in D.C. Just had a question between the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill and potential for the build back better. What do you think of any of the steel stocks? If you have one you prefer right now, I'm looking at ticker X us steel Corp. I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. All right. Looking at United steel Corp. ticker is X. And I said this before that the steel industry is a poor business. It's up and down. Uh, they are, you're basically a price taker because most People don't care where the steel came from that made their building. As long as it is up to code and it works and it holds, uh, that's all that matters. So uh, the end result is the cost, and that means low margins and sometimes negative margins. It's a very capital-intensive, energy-intensive type of business, and that's why they tend to have such wild swings in their earnings. So it, uh, it's it, it's a price that a price of the stock goes up and down wildly dramatically 2017 it was uh above about 45 dollars a share in early early 18 all, all the way down to four ball four dollars and change at the depths of covid uh and now it's only at 25.73 and it's supposed to make a record 14 dollars and 88 cents this year now here is my one argument for u.s steel is the potential and this is still trying to be ironed out, I guess pun intended here, where there's some sort of regulation around importing steel from areas like China who use high emission ways of making steel. 
still is very energy intensive to make. It's one of the most energy intensive things that we do on this earth. And now there's ways to do it a little more efficiently and uh, a lot uh, better technology uh, that we use here in the U.S. for the most part, where China doesn't. And that produces more CO2, and they're trying to uh, create some rules around that. So if that happens, I like U.S. Steel. But otherwise, I'm going to pass. We're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced, or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Fade from Ontario, Canada. I would like to discuss ticker symbol M as in Mary, O as in Orange, Eltricia Group Inc. Current price is $44.76. I just like to take your opinion. Uh, do you think this is the right time to invest in this stock for the long-term perspective? If yes, what do you think uh, as a percentage-wise, uh, how should we go for it? Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right, looking at Altria Group, MO, a nice 8% dividend yield for this very slow growth company. Earnings are supposed to be up 6% this year, 5% next year. As you probably know, they manufacture cigarettes and other tobacco products, uh, mainly under Marlboro and Black and Mild names. But they have others as well. They own uh, Copenhagen, I believe, which is the uh, which is a smokeless tobacco, uh, chewing tobacco. And they have other brands as well. But it's it does have a 10% interest in Anheuser-Busch. I don't know if anyone knew that. But it's mainly focused here on in the US. And that's really the issue is tobacco use is declining, uh, but their profits are staying relatively robust. They've been able to continue to increase their profits, not dramatically, but modestly. And uh, that's a testament to the uh, buying back shares, uh, good capital allocation outside of their acquisition of Juul. And that's really the big red mark on the name is the fact that they paid $38 billion for Juul, which is basically a vaping uh, uh, company. And a recent FDA ruling banned flavored vaping liquids, which really hit, had a big hit to Juul. And they've written that investment down from $38 billion to $1.6 billion. So that's a big black mark on a company whose market cap is $83 billion. So you're talking about a destruction of value of nearly let's say 30, 36 billion. That's a lot. That's that's a lot. Uh, and that's what worries me uh, here is that it did destroy a lot of value, but it also produces a lot of value. Enterprise value to revenue right now is five times, which is kind of in line with its historical multiple. So it's not expensive. I will say that. Uh, but I, you know, if you're after that yield, 8% yield, I think this is better than like a mortgage read or something like that. Uh, but if you want to be in the tobacco space, I think uh, international exposure, we own one, you probably uh, know what that is. Uh, and that is going to give you much more international uh, revenue exposure. And I think more growth. And that's the issue to me on this is there's just so little growth and so little way, so many little ways to uh, really 
grow their business and expand in, in any way outside of the US. Uh, and so I'm gonna pass an MO and look for others within the space. Now, lastly, I wanna touch on companies and how they're paying higher wages, higher, uh, more money for materials, they're absorbing freight costs, uh, and you would think that this would hurt their profitability. But for the most part, it's not. And they're seizing on the opportunity to raise prices, in many cases, higher than their expenses. Nearly two out of three of the biggest U.S. publicly traded companies have reported higher profit margins so far this year than they did over the same stretch in 2019. Nearly 100 of these companies have booked 2021 profit margins that are at least 50% above 2019 levels. And this just goes to show you that in this market where it's difficult to produce, ship, and, and uh, move things, scale is very important. Availability is very important. Diversity of supply chains, which most large companies have and most small companies do not. So when you have that diversity, you are able to maybe not produce and source as much as you did before, but you can still produce some. Others are completely shut out. And so profit margins often rise with inflation, but the risk is that companies, they overreach and raise prices faster than their competitors, losing market share, or customers revolt and they, they balk at it. But so far they have not. And so that's the interesting thing here is that the bigger companies have just gotten bigger and stronger during COVID because of the ability to actually source. Uh, and they've been passing along those prices to consumers as you see with the CPI report. And yeah, that's where we're at. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads now with 36 million. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And a reminder that Thursday's new wealth webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is coming up. It is free at 1 p.m. this Thursday, but you must register in advance. And you can do that over at investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.